0: And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's the Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who's ever had too much to drink in Georgia. Hi, folks, and welcome back to the Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, is it good to be back on Milleronia. I I love it here. Yes, I know. I own the whole island. Yes, I know. I designed everything. Yes, I've increased the number of volcanoes repeatedly, but that's because it's mine. And yes, the weather is always gorgeous here because I insist on it. Because I design it. But you know what it is. It's great to be back. And Colonel Jeff is happy to be back here. And, uh, whew, boy, it's it's wonderful we get happy here. And especially talking to you and doing my show here like this. And, just, oh, I love it very much. And, of course, that music always makes me even happier than I would have been. That's the Burt Reynolds Orchestra and the Sally Field Dancers featuring boy tenor Jerry Reed Asking the musical question Bandit, you got your ears on? <laughs> yes, that was my impression of Jerry Reed. I'm not a not a great impressionist, but I love that guy. And uh by the way, he does. He still has his ears on. Even though the great Bert Reynolds passed on well about a week and a half ago, I've been looking forward to saying that good for you bert oh boy oh boy if uh, and i'm going to be talk, well talking about him later and uh, but it means a lot to say that good work bert you were so good and if there's ever been anyone who had a better mustache above a better smile i don't know who it is well maybe it was me I uh, I had a mustache once or twice in my adult life, so maybe it was me. But, no, I'm just being silly, of course. It was uh, first and last, always Bert. And by the new Larry Miller store. That's right. It's, oh, I'm so proud of this place because we have such good stuff. And, uh, you know what? Buy some. Yeah, there's no... I guess there's no subtler way of saying that. Uh, you know what, though? We have, yes, go to the new Larry Miller store. And to get there, by the way, you could go through a variety of complicated computers and and iPhones and things like that, but don't. Go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> That one is going, going, gone. And, uh, <laughs> but it means a lot, folks. Go to our website, and we have a banner that says the new Larry Miller store. And go there. Push our banner. We'll get you there. Don't worry about anything else. You know, don't worry. We'll get you there. That's all you need to know. Push that banner and go, well, lay yourself down on your lazy boy chair and, uh, Lean back and get your feet up in the air. And sure, take a cold beer with you or make yourself a drink. But the truth is, once you get in that chair, and they're not a sponsor, but once you do get in a good lazy boy chair like that, you're done for the day. You can turn a game on TV, and why not? Or you can just do the old-fashioned style, get in that chair, lean it back, put your feet up, and say, good night, Irene. So, you know what? We'll, we'll get you there, but, and go to the Larry Miller store, which you can choose from three t-shirt designs, which are available for gentlemen, ladies. That's right. We get gentlemen and ladies listening to the show. And, uh, we get a lot of them, in fact. And, uh, I love our t-shirt designs. One says, keep calm and Larry on. And one says, I survived volcano number two and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Which is really something, by the way, because if you can survive Volcano Number Two, and uh, entre nous, I'll just tell you the truth: no one has, no one uh, does. That's a, that's a, that volcano is tough as nails, and uh, nails wouldn't even stay nails in that volcano. But you know what? Do that, and uh, well, we have great t-shirt designs, and we have oh, lots of things to offer, and uh, it means a lot to me and to Colonel Jeff. And so go there and pick up something nice. And uh, you know what? That brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. And this is a good one, too. The uh, colonel likes this one, and so do I. Uh, Fellow walks into a bar and says to the bartender, and comes. bartender comes over and says, what will it be? And the guy says, let me have a beer. And uh, the bartender says, uh, "All right, that's, that'll be five bucks." And the guy takes twenty quarters out of his pocket and throws them behind the bar. And you know how behind a bar, well, they land on the floor. There's always ooh, gooey muck and stuff. There's a, you know, something to stand on for the bartender that's made of wood, about two, three inches over the floor, but. Boy, these quarters, those 20 quarters get everywhere, and the bartender kind of, uh, but all right. And he pours the guy a draft beer and sets it down there, and the guy knocks it back and leaves. The next night, same guy comes back in. Bartender recognizes him, of course, and uh, walks over, and the guy says, let me have a beer. And the bartender says again, that'll be five bucks. And the guy again takes 20 quarters out of his other pocket and, same thing, throws them behind the bar. And they land again in the puddle of this and that and and all the stuff on a bar floor behind the bar. And the bartender, same thing, just... just, But he just... He pours the guy a beer, sets it down, the guy knocks it back again and leaves. The third night... The guy comes in again. Bartender walks over again, and he's well, he's not happy to see this. And, but he says, oh, what'll it be? Give me a beer. And bartender says, that'll be five bucks. And this time, the guy takes a $10 bill out of his pocket and just lays it on the bar. And the bartender says, All right, well, I got him now. And he, and he takes the... Uh, And he takes that that, that $10 bill and uh, puts the $10 bill in the register and then takes out of a little drawer that he had set up next to the register 20 quarters that this guy had thrown on the floor. And he takes those quarters, throws them at the guy and says, there, there's your change. And the guy says to him, you know what? I think I'll have another beer. (laughs) We like that one and I hope you do too And uh, as always If you like it, pass it on Keep it going Tell a friend or a loved one or a family member Anything, guy you knew from school, it doesn't matter Just keep it going There's nothing better than a good laugh And that brings me to my Second favorite part of the show The Poetry Corner is always lovely. And this poem is very good. The name is Georgia by Robert Loveman, who was an American poet, lived from 1864 to 1923. He grew up in Georgia and went to school there and then the University of Alabama and wrote the very famous poem, The Rain Song, also known as April Rain. And that, by the way, inspired Al Jolson's famous song, April Showers. May come your way in April flowers, they bloom in May. Is that a honey like that? Didn't know I knew that. But, uh, you know, the colonel and I both said, let's, uh, we'll read that to you. That, that was a very big poem for Robert Loveman. And I think this is also, it's called Georgia. From the mountains to the sea, where her rivers roll, there I ever longed to be. Oh, my heart, my soul, by her meadows let me lie, in her vales remain, underneath her roof-tree sky, watch the shadows wane. Georgia, land of our delight, haven of the blessed, here by happy day and night, peace enthrones the breast. Georgia, Georgia, dearest earth underneath the blue. Climb that ever giveth birth to the brave and true. Isn't that nice? And as you can tell, perhaps, uh, well, it seemed that going with Georgia was a good theme for tonight. And well, you'll know why now, also, to tie it all together. It's time for my third favorite part of the show. The magic movie moment m m m and this is a terrific movie. I've always liked this a lot, and so does the colonel, and I hope so do you. It's Smokey and the Bandit from 1977. Speaking of the great Burt Reynolds, this is directed by Hal Needham, which is his first movie he directed. He was a very well-known and famous stuntman. And he and Burt were friends, good friends. And this is, of course, starring Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jerry Reed, Jackie Gleason, Mike Henry, Pat McCormick, and Paul Williams as... Big Enos, and Little Enos. Their last name was Burdette. And I knew, Pat, God bless him, boy, you know, what a cast that movie had. That movie is so good, it keeps getting better every time I've seen it. And I mean, I see that thing, it's got to be four or five times a year. And it's on cable a lot, but Smokey and the Bandit, yes, there were a couple ones after that, the uh, Smokey and the Bandit 2 And Smokey and the Bandit 3. I'm not sure I've seen the third one. And I like all those folks. And uh, I'm not sure I cared as much for Smokey and the Bandit 2. But Smokey and the Bandit is a great movie. And there's so much to say. And the magic movie moment for me tonight is, uh, well, of course, just with Burt Reynolds passing. Sally Field is one of the best actresses our country has ever produced. I love her work. And, by the way, she's gorgeous. I mean, she's just so beautiful and so cool and and hot. And th- this is the movie they met on. Bert and Sally met on Smokey and the Bandit. And then they started going out. And then they fell in love. And... Boy, oh boy, it shows in the movie. And uh, my magic movie moment for tonight is that as part of getting to know each other in that great Trans Am. Boy, oh boy, that sold through the roof after this movie came out. No surprise there. And uh, as Bert and Sally got to know each other and uh, in that car there, well... You know, he talks to her, and she says to him, "Finally, do you ever take that hat off?" You know, as they're getting to know each other. And by the way, this whole movie was really ad libbed. Hal Needham wrote the script on a legal pad, and he and Bert were very good friends. And uh, but Bert decided, you know what? Let's just let's just get on the set and make this movie. And that's Bert called Sally up to accept it. He said, "You know what?" Come along with us on this. It's going to be great, and uh, we'll say what's on our minds, and we'll ad-lib a lot. And uh, she liked it because also the folks at, you know, show business is so weird. All the folks at Universal didn't think she was attractive enough, and they kind of, you know, hemmed and hawed, I don't know about her, which is another one of those show business moments to me if you want to say, okay, so you're all crazy? Uh, Have you lost your minds because she's you know, as beautiful as anyone has ever been and as cool and as next doorish, and as funny and interesting and someone you just want to stare at the whole time. And that's, boy, that's meant as a compliment too. And when uh, he she says to him in the car, do you ever take your hat off? And uh, he says, only for one thing, which, by the way, is a pretty cool thing to say too, only for one thing. It doesn't matter whether you're seven years old or 70 years old. I know what that one thing is. Holy mackerel. And they they don't even follow it up with anything. And a little later in the movie when they take a break by the side of the road and stretch a little, and she stretches, and she's a dancer in the movie, you know, a Broadway dancer, and she stretches around there. And, and at uh, one point they go out and they get to know each other a little bit more there. And you and I are falling for them, falling for each other. Even before they know it, we know it as the audience. And at one point she says to him, I think they're leaning on a fence post, and uh, she looks at him and says, want to take your hat off? And, folks, if that's not the most romantic, sexiest thing you've ever heard. It is to me and it is to Colonel Jeff and how nicely done in a movie where they don't show anything. I don't even think we ever see them kiss, but she says that and looks at him and he looks at her and then, holy mackerel, folks, la- later on in movie terms, well, you figure, I suppose that's a little later, just a half hour, 40 minutes later, and they're back in the car. We don't even see them get back in the car, but they're going to take off again and get back on their mission and roll off the, uh, the shoulder there and into the little, the little, little valley, the little vale. they went. And we see his hat on the antenna of the car on the left side there. And it's just hanging there. And as he turns the car on or oh, that great Trans Am and, uh, they pull away, his hand just reaches out, takes the hat, and puts it back on his head. And uh, you know what? Whew. I think that's just a terrific movie and a great moment from it. If you haven't seen *Smoky and the Bandits, see it. You're going to really be glad you did. And by the way, turns out, this was Alfred Hitchcock's favorite movie. And in case you don't think it has the depth and the guts to really appeal to a great storyteller. It does. If you haven't seen it, see it. And if you've seen it like me 30, 50 times, see it again next time it pops up on one of your, well, internet uh, stations or cable TV stations. See it. Want to take your hat off? I hope you've seen and lived moments like that. But that one works for me like no other. And you know what? I've had a terrific time in Georgia. I've been there many times as a comedian, as a, an actor. And I always liked it there. Uh, you know, in fact, I just remembered that I I used to work for the Coca-Cola company. I did... Uh, I did a show for them in their, they have a, well, a stadium. It's it's about 15,000 people it holds. So it's not like a gigantic football stadium, but, yeah, it was a nice place. And uh, I enjoyed doing shows there for them. And, uh, oh, boy, it was just a a great state. And uh, there, there was a great comedy club there. I worked many times, The Punchline in Atlanta. I worked there many times, in fact, and uh, in fact, I remembered a story I just told the colonel before, that uh, they were there, Dave and Ron, Ron DeNunzio and and Dave Montesanto, and uh, boy, we all liked them. All the comics really liked them. They were from Cleveland, and they really knew how to open a club and keep it running, and uh, they would go out. They could go out six nights a week, and they did. And I mean, they'd go out. And they, they could drink some. They knew places to go. And I went with them many times. And uh, this one night at the club, by the way, uh, uh, during the show or before the show, uh, they mentioned to me, hey, we have so-and-so is coming by who was a big drug dealer in the whole area there in the southeast. But he was uh, a coke dealer. And uh, he, they said to me, so just to let you know, he's coming here, he's watching the show. And that, that was from just on the other side of their office on the second floor. There was a, a balcony area with two, three tables set up. No one else ever sat there, just, well, friends of theirs or uh, family or folks like that. And uh, so I, they said, we just wanted to let you know. And uh, I said, well, thanks, you know, because they didn't want me to, well, say something that would get me killed. But I mean they uh that was fine and after the show one of the uh managers came by to me and said uh, go up to their office uh, the guy wants to meet you. And okay, all right. Well, so I did. I went up there and uh he was he was uh thin and wiry, tough looking. And I guess no surprise there, huh? And he was uh he had good clothes on. And uh, he was there with a uh, couple of young women, and they had good clothes on too, though. Probably not for long, but I mean, they. and he said to me, and he didn't, interesting, he said he wanted to say, very good, very good, and he nodded to me. And we didn't shake hands. I remember that struck me. He didn't hold his hand out. This is not the type of guy who ever wants to be held or touched by anyone he doesn't know. And uh, he said, uh, he motioned, come here. And uh, this is in their office behind those uh, those uh, balcony seats there. And he took out a little mirror and put some, opened a little casing and put some cocaine on the mirror there in uh, four or five lines. And uh, I didn't know, but I think those were pretty big lines. And uh, he said to me, very good tonight. And he held his hand out and gestured to the cocaine there. And he had a tube uh, tube that he held out to me. And I said, uh, oh, thank you. I can't. I don't. uh, But thank you. Thank you very much. Folks, he was thunderstruck. I don't know if a guy like this ever gets thunderstruck, but I mean... When I said, no, thanks, and uh, he looked at me, what human being he was wondering on earth would ever say no to that? Well, he was looking at one, and he said, uh, no. And I said, well, thank you, Ian, uh, but I I can't, I don't, uh, thank you, and uh, thank you very much, though. And he looked at me now, and after about, four or five seconds of silence, he said, you are Jesus Christ. And he had a little speech impediment there. I don't think anybody would have ever pointed it out to him, but I thought, I thought at the time, you know what? I thought that was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard from a guy. Well, who's a pretty prominent tough guy. And, uh, that was his reaction to me not taking his stuff his product and uh, and not just saying that to, oh thank you and then just snorting up a bunch or and uh you are jesus christ and <laughs> that's his only vision of someone who would say no to that that's that's how he's saying that's how high and lofty you are to not take this but you know what i will never forget that moment and i used to go with uh, ron and dave uh they would go out to all the places in the area they in atlanta it's a big city and uh, the the surrounding areas still in atlanta have sometimes different town names but they're part of atlanta and uh they uh, one of we were there a bunch to this place Whew. can't remember the name of it but i remember it was uh underneath the jewish war veterans and there was a building they're just two stories and underneath that though they the owners of the club had built a huge nightclub dance club night club there was a restaurant there too, not a fancy restaurant, but you could get pizza and meatball heroes and things like that. And it was a good bar to stand there and drink for eight hours. And I'm I'm not bragging about that, but they did, and I did with them in those days. Well, we were we were comics and we were younger fellows then, and uh, boy, I'm telling you that you, you could stand there and, and one of those nights. Uh, My friend Steve, who's a great comedy writer and producer, Uh, Steve Scrovan, he's just a great guy, and uh, he was on the show, too, and uh, he was there all night, too, and at uh, about 8 in the morning, Ron said, okay, let's go, and he said, "Uh, I'll drive you back to your hotel, and okay, that sounds good, and uh, (laughs) I forgot, we we went over to the kitchen window there and ordered a pizza for the ride to the hotel and in case you were wondering and you know what we did that we uh, took it to the car now it's eight in the morning and this is a weekday I think this was a Wednesday or a Thursday and it's rush hour now it's eight twenty eight thirty in the morning we get into Ron's car which was a Cadillac Eldorado I think and uh, kind of brand new and he uh, we I, but just before we got in the car I remember he opened the trunk and had a case of wine in the trunk. Now, we'd been drinking, well, seven or eight hours. And he took out three bottles of wine and opened them, took the corks out, outside, and it's daytime. And handed one to each of us. One to Steve, one to me, and one for him. And we got in the car, and Steve got in the back seat. And I was in the front next to Ron. So we have... I would, these open bottles of wine, which we started drinking, of course, because, well, we're young fellows, And then here it is. How do you not drink an open bottle of wine in rush hour traffic in Atlanta on a Thursday? But, you know, at one point we and, he, and Ron was going to drive me back to the hotel and uh, Steve back to where he was staying. And you know what? At one point after about 10, 15 minutes in the car and it's pretty crowded. It's again, rush hour. But Steve suddenly, you know, leaned forward and say, "Pull over, pull over. I gotta, um, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna be sick." And well, that's fine. We like him. He's a, he's a great guy. And you know, as the old saying goes, when you gotta go, you gotta go. And uh, so Ron, in packed traffic, got over three lanes, got over under the right shoulder there. And this was not like, well, this was not like Bert and Sally. Where it's a beautiful, you know, veil and shadows and trees and a lake. This was just on the shoulder there in rush hour, and uh, Steve got out and uh, kind of staggered over just a few feet, ten feet, twelve feet, and well, he he was sick. He got uh, he threw up for a while, and uh, and Ron and I, as we ought to do, maybe you would have done the same thing. We're standing outside, just looking around, taking in the morning air. And drinking out of a, our open bottles of wine. And you know what? That struck me as in addition to, well, meeting someone at the club and having a girlfriend and uh, f- for, for one night or a thousand nights. And in addition to that, on the road, I thought, well, this is why I like Atlanta. Good Lord. And uh, Ron, God bless him, he was a good driver. <laughs> and it never struck me, by the way. Maybe he's not a good driver because he was. And he took me back to my hotel. I said, thanks, pal. See you tonight at the club. And uh, S- Steve was, well, uh, kind of head down on the chest. Just he-, he thought sleep was the best idea then, and maybe he was right. And uh, I went upstairs. I didn't take the bottle of wine in with me, by the way. I didn't want to toss it. It was halfway done. But I just found the nearest, uh, well, garbage can outside the hotel there. Off on the side and dumped it in there. And then went back inside. Washed up. Showered up. And uh, put my pajamas on. Got into bed and uh, said a prayer that i looked up and said i know i know i know but this is atlanta and you and you know what i like it here so i knew that and i know you know it too you and i know the same things folks homer is homer and pluto is a planet and take your hat off sometime and put it on the antenna And tell someone you love her. So remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. Be well and we'll see you here next time.